people sometimes talk about echo chambers as being bad. And I think they are in terms of like large scale, like macro stuff, but for like social media, like uh, I enjoy my social media being an echo chamber because I know the world isn't. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Conversation. I'm Brandon C. McClure, uh, with you as always on this journey through your favorite podcasters' fandoms. Today, I am talking to Michael Tanner from the Burn After Pitching podcast, part of the uh, Grand Geek Gathering Network. Um, he had a lot to say about, uh, about fandom. More specifically, I learned a lot about Tiki fandom i had a really good time with this one uh learning about a fandom i had never heard about um the toxic fandoms and the tiki fan and the tiki fan uh, uh the toxic tiki fans the um uh the the history of it it was really informative and i hope you guys find this informative too i really enjoyed it if i'm talking too fast i apologize i'm actually trying to get this one done quick because i um am packing for a pretty big move that might put a delay on this show stay tuned i hope not but just to give you guys a heads up that is a possibility a couple of notes up top uh there is some snyder talk on both sides of the aisle we were pretty uh anti in this one so if you're sensitive to that sort of topic i know we now live in a post snyder cut world so perhaps you are not anymore but on both sides of the aisle um there is some talk there i you know no judgment here i'm a no judgment free zone i just giving you guys a kind of a content warning here I do glitch out towards the end of the podcast. This is before I um, upgraded my internet. So that doesn't really change what he had to say, but he does acknowledge it. So I figured I should bring it up here just to, you know, just a fair warning there. And there's some other audio issues a little after that. I tried to clean it up as best as I could, but I'm not great at the audio editing. Um, So I hope you guys won't find it too distracting. It doesn't last very long. And again, I did try to clean it up as much as I could. We also talk a lot about um, not just Tiki, cause, but that was the most fascinating part. Uh, but we also talk about just how we interact with fandoms online and, and message boards and um, Facebook groups and things like that. And um, he has some wild accusations about the movie Logan, which I don't necessarily agree. But hey, we're all here to have fun. Okay, I guess that'll do it then. Uh, without further ado, Michael Tanner from the Burn After Pitching podcast. I'll see you guys on the other side. Okay, I am here with Michael Tanner of the Burn After Pitching podcast for the Grand Geek Gathering Network. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I uh, uh, watching the new uh, Pacific Rim show. Oh, okay. Oh, the show. Like, there's like a, a series that's on yeah. now. Okay. Netflix Is it? That's an animated series, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay uh just watch the first three episodes pretty good that is going to date this episode when it finally comes out um, <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway uh so you are part of the burn after pitching podcast why don't you tell the audience a bit about what's about 
that. All right. So Burn After Pitching is a comedy pitching podcast where uh, myself and the other host, we bring a panel of creators onto the show to pitch their ideas on a subject. Um, so it can be like pitch a spinoff to an existing TV show. Uh, pitch um, for WonderCon, we did pitch a movie that takes place at a convention. Um, also, we've done like pitch a new ice cream flavor to uh, be a cross promotion with the Venom movie. Uh, that also dates when that episode was because the Venom movie <laughs> had just come out. Um, so we just tried to like have it be like kind of, and on one hand, kind of like serious pitches, like creators and writers, like being like, oh, if you gave me the chance to make a Star Wars movie, this is what I do. And they mm -hmm. pitch what their dream Star Wars movie is. And then we try to make it fun by doing like wackier pitches also. Um, and we've been doing that show for about two years now, almost two years, I think. Respectable um okay. it's easy because it's a monthly show so it's like i could not imagine trying to do a weekly show that just blows my mind a monthly show i can do that what about uh seven weekly shows oh that uh, well seven weekly shows yeah i could do i could do no that'd burn me out i'd be burnt out couldn't couldn't handle it welcome to the Vickner podcast anyway <laughs> Um, yeah um this is this is just a project i started because i want to talk to people about fandoms so my next question is what fandoms are you a part of uh i would say uh, comic books of course because i'm a comic book creator um also like i'm a huge like i'm a toy collector i collect you know like transformers gi joe anything that kind of strikes my fancy mm -hmm. uh i'm very much into the fallout video game franchise like that's probably my biggest most like honed in fandom like it's sure. a very particular video game series um not video games in general i don't play that many video games but if it's fallout related i will play it sure um so what led you to doing your podcast uh i wanted to do something that was fun because i also have a background in comedy so something that would be kind of serious but funny because like a lot of a lot of writers uh, and creators have kind of ideas that they will that will never see the light of day in a produced form mm -hmm. but it's still fun to come up with like what your dream star wars movie is or like oh if i was gonna this i've always wanted to do this story about dinosaurs um the the podcast would be a way for them to kind of come on and talk about these ideas and share these ideas and riff with other creators on them with the fully knowing that they most likely will never come to any kind of like finalized product it's right. just the the fun of being to talk to someone about your ideas right uh how did you get was, was the grand geek gathering around prior to you showing up like, yeah you know, the grand geek gathering has been doing podcasts and streaming and um panels and convention related material for a couple of years and i kind of became friends with uh tyler mcphail who who runs it and he and i started to collaborate on putting together panels for comic book conventions mm -hmm. um so like the panel process for conventions is is very difficult because a lot of conventions bigger conventions like san diego uh they literally get thousands of panel requests and you have to write up essentially like almost like a grant proposal if, if you've ever written like grants before like you write up a proposal you say like what you want to do who you can get to be on the panel and you hope that they select you um so that's kind of how tyler and i started doing this and the idea originally was going to be as a panel 
um, for a convention. Like, oh, it'd be fun to get like some creators on and, you know, give them a topic and then have them kind of improvise a pitch on it. And then it evolved into being um, a podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. So, cause honestly, that's, it's a lot easier to do a podcast than it is to get a panel approved for a comic book convention. We, uh, we had a LA comic-con panel two years oh, ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we've done, uh, yeah, we've, we've done panels for, for LA. Um, in fact, I want to say before it got canceled last year, burn after pitching, maybe got approved to be a panel at LA Comic-Con or one of our other podcasts got approved to be a panel. I might be misremembering Co yeah, Co COVID brain of forgetting things already. Yeah. We, we loved doing the panel at uh, LA Comic-Con. We have a friend, Mike Matola, who uh, does art pieces and uh, he comes on and does these trivia challenges for us. So we took that to LA Comic-Con and made a panel out of it. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, okay. So that's great color, great background. So let's get into the meat of it. Um, how did you, prior to being, well, let's see, your podcast isn't necessarily about fandom. So let's, uh, before you started becoming more of a, more of a internet, um, not celebrity, what's the word? Leader, uh, more of a fandom leader, um, because I know you create comic books, you've done uh, panels, you do a podcast. Uh, how did you uh, engage in fandom spaces within your fandom uh, prior to all of that if you can remember all that yeah uh i would like i'm kind of I, I i don't understand reddit so i'm still a message board guy yeah. um so like for my fandoms like gi joe or transformers or, or comic books like i was still very much tied into message boards and the like the um like uh joecustoms.com or um um Cybertron, which is a Transformers one. Like I'm on the message boards engaging with fans and Facebook, um, Facebook groups have also become a heart, a huge part of like tying into a fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of taking on that, the part of someone promoting or kind of like with a voice in a fandom, like comic books. Um, like I have the tiniest voice ever. No one pays attention to me. Um, but like, I, I'm a published comic book writer. Like that is something that, that I, that I can say, and I'm no longer just on the fan side of that. Like right. I am a working professional in that field. Um, so that feels very different from just being like the fan who can like yell at whatever I want. Uh, now it's, I have, to, I have to kind of temper that with being professional in a way. And I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sure. I was going to say with, with the podcast um, in terms of fandoms, because it can be such a varied subject matter in terms of what pitches we do, uh, it is a little bit like homework. Um, I need, I don't know anime at all. Like my anime knowledge ends like, with Fist of the North Star and Crying Freeman in the 80s, like when I was, you know, a, a, an early teenager who discovered like his comic book shop also rented Japanese cartoons. And like that before before anime become a huge part of um, American nerd culture, like that was, I was in that first wave that just kind of discovered things like Akira doesn't make any sense, but it looks so cool. Mm -hmm. um, that, that kind of like the awe of something new. Like, I don't, I don't know anime. I don't know modern anime, but like, we've had people on our show who like, that's their thing. 
and they can pitch. Like if you tell them, can you pitch a story about, you know, like um, talking dragons and they will be like, okay, have you ever seen a, you know, like some obscure anime I've never heard of? Well, it's kind of like that. And so it keeps me on my toes of having to kind of keep up with different parts of pop culture so I can know what the heck my panelists are talking about. Sure. So you'd say that your podcast expanded uh, your oh, knowledge. Definitely, because it made me have to do research and do homework in order right. to kind of understand. Also, to just make the show not samey-same of like, mm-hmm. pitch your comic books, you know, with, with about Captain America. Like, that's going to get old. Like, so being able to expand, like, pitch your own uh, GRPG-style game, you know, like... Um, I have to like learn what this stuff is in order to kind of host and kind of navigate uh, for the, for the benefit of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of things have you kind of, have you found anything new uh, with the podcast that you're like so into, like you would call yourself a fan of that? Oh gosh. Um, honestly, no, not with, not with burn after pitching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's maybe do the research, but it's all very, um intellectual it's Mm -hmm. i I haven't found a thing where i'm like yes i am now very into this now um that's too bad Um, yeah but it's nice like it's still nice to i i'm someone who believes very firmly in having like the broadest base of casual knowledge um just to like have as a writer just to have a deeper well to be able to pull from if i need to if i know a little bit about something and i'm working i'm developing a story i'm like hey you know i vaguely remember this thing from this other piece of fandom this other piece of fiction i should look into that more and see if there's anything that i can mine or make sure there's not i i'm not reinventing the wheel of something that's already been done like a, a story beat that's been explored through all these different ways that I don't, I'm not actually bringing anything new to the table. Right. Uh, so that's kind of important to you when you're, uh, when you're writing your comics or writing anything that you don't want to kind of step on other, other properties toes. Oh yeah. There's nothing worse than discovering you've stepped on somebody's toes or learning that someone stepped on your toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just what I was like, like, I try to you'll you'll never know everything and you'll never like you'll you'll never be so versed in something where like you won't be surprised by some little piece of arcane knowledge but just like try to be educated about like what's going on like in a genre at the current time um because you might think like oh I've got the greatest idea ever and then learn that oh your idea has been done is being done has been done way better and more high profile than you will be able to do so maybe find find another thing to do right um okay well so essentially i'd like to talk about like broad strokes and kind of like hone in on everything so broadly um how would you kind of how would you kind of characterize how you how you look at fandom how you view fandom uh now post all all your kind of work and now that you're in this space well how would you view all that i i believe that there is toxicity in every fandom like there is no one fandom that is necessarily worse than anyone else's um it's all in there's just always going to be a segment of a population that is really into a thing that treats it either 
incredibly preciously and are very protective of it to the point where they will actively chase chase off other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people who hold certain fandom subjects so tightly that they've lost sense of what the actual message or intent of that thing they're a fan is scapekeeping yeah um like and like on on some level i understand the drive to gatekeep because you don't want a thing you love to be quote-unquote ruined Mm -hmm. and we went through a period where like i like i absolutely understand the idea of someone probably 10 15 years ago who saw someone someone else wearing like a Deadpool t-shirt and being like that person's never read a Deadpool comic in their life like how dare they wear that because it was comic fandom was so kind of protective that they they were they didn't trust anyone else to like look at it and be casual about it because it was seen as like so precious and they want to be so protective and now I think a lot of people are understanding that if it doesn't matter if that person has ever read a Deadpool comic, they bought a piece of Deadpool merch. They like the way it looks, the aesthetics it doesn't matter. They don't need to have read a Deadpool comic in order to appreciate that t-shirt or that the art of that character or of that, or that extent, that aesthetic we, cause it doesn't matter if they have mm-hmm. let, the, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy as long as they're not harming anyone else. Yeah. But like, there's so much like I'm also like a uh, I'm heavily into tiki culture, um, which is one of the most problematic and gatekeepy fandoms you can ever imagine. Uh, to the point where it's kind of horrific. Like it, it's it's the most problematic and awful fandom I'm part of. Um, I want to I want to put a pin in that because yeah. i need you to explore all of that what you just said. oh well yeah we can definitely get into that um, what is what is tiki culture okay so so this is so this is like okay so tiki we um general idea like uh, polynesian drinks tropical drinks things with pineapple juice those umbrellas um uh trader sam's uh, uh disney world disneyland around this yeah, oh yeah oh it's a huge fan there's tiki conventions it's it's oh. a whole it's a whole thing but the roots of tiki are are inherently steeped in cultural appropriation and colonialism um that but it's also entirely fan it's it's fantastic it doesn't exist it was based on a fantasy version of Hawaii and the Polynesian islands that some, some white men in the 1920s and thirties brought over to the U S and sold as like a great escape. So it's this weird thing where it's, it's like medieval times, the restaurant Okay. we're like, do you believe that medieval Europe was anything like what you experienced at medieval times? No, you understand it's fantasy, but the roots of it are, are much darker and, the and it sort of came to a prominence in america in the 1950s so it's very much uh seen as tied in with kind of like mid-century america keech uh, uh like kitsch culture um where it's kind of silly it's weird but also there's a it's this weird balance of these are real these are real people living real lives and these you know the tiki idols that are in our in these restaurants and bars actually represents the the gods of these these cultures now they probably don't actually believe that these are gods 
but it is like their cultural background. So tiki culture has to maintain this balance and you're seeing a lot of kind of uh, modern younger tiki enthusiasts kind of like looking at stuff like how can we make this not problematic how can we respect like the actual reality of the background of these cultures and also like have fun but also divorce it from the reality and make it this even more kind of fantastical bizarre thing so that's why you'll see you'll have tiki fans uh old school tiki fans who look at um uh, geeky tiki's is the company that makes like all the pop culture tiki mugs like okay. they make everybody they they make dc marvel uh the the cereal monsters they make they make tiki mugs for any pop culture thing traditionalists hate those things because they're not tiki they although and so you have a lot of people like yeah that's actually kind of good they're just like they're in the aesthetic of you know a carved wooden figure uh from tiki style but they aren't actually representing anyone's ancient gods. Um, they're pure fantasy. They're they're fun. They're a drinking vessel. Um, so it's it's this pull push pull between people who want to acknowledge the problems with a fandom and work to improve it and make it more welcoming and inclusive, and those who want don't don't. You can pry my my tiki mug out of my cold dead hand. Like it's. It's really awful. And I, I am on several Facebook tiki groups and there is not a day that goes by without some argument and some thread getting shut down by the mods where people argue about it. It is a, um, it's a crazy, crazy fandom. I had never, I've never heard of this before. You oh yeah. Multiple Facebook groups. On Facebook. Oh yeah. I, I am, I am part of no less than five Facebook tiki groups and there are a lot I more. It's and it's 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 fun. I kind of fell into the fandom, uh, kind of curious about it because I, you know, I am not a I'm not a drinker, um, but if you put some pineapple juice in a drink, I'm 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 good. Uh, so as I was like, I kind of fell into the fandom, and it kind of ticks a lot of my boxes because I I like kind of mid century America stuff. Um, I like collecting things, so collecting mugs. Like I now have a, a large mug collection to go along with my my GI Joes and my Transformers. All uh, all all tiki mugs. Wow. Uh, like, and and I tend to have kind of a, a focus. Like I collect actual vintage mugs, um, f- or mugs from bars that i went to because a lot of tiki bars will have like a signature mug or monster like because i love monsters so i I like and i love creature from the black lagoon so a lot of my stuff is like creature from the black lagoon tiki themed or just monster kind of in general tentacle monsters but not cthulhu because i'm I'm not a cthulhu fan i think that's kind of played out so like i stay away from that um so it's it's a very interesting um fandom to be a part of because it's inherently frustrating uh okay wow i want to unpack all of the tiki stuff because this is crazy <laughs> to me. um this is and not in like a good way i just never knew this existed this is oh, really yeah. fascinating stuff. um what what do you think makes people gatekeep uh tiki culture that is an interesting one because it because i think a lot of people don't want to confront the worst aspects of the background of tiki, which it is kind of based on colonialism and, and orientalism and othering an entire culture. Yeah. Um, it's like, so it's, it's easier for people to just say, shut up than it is for them to think. 
and mm. and that's that's what it is. Um, and I, I understand the idea of wanting to keep your fandom. Like I totally understand why some hardcore tiki enthusiasts don't like the more modern kind of pop culture tiki stuff coming in because it's not quote unquote authentic, although none of it's authentic. Like that, that's the interesting thing. It's not authentic to their inauthenticity. Sure. Um, but they're like, it's, it's a weird fandom because there's a ton of stuff that they will accept that have nothing to do with tiki. They just, it just happens to be tiki adjacent, like mm -hmm. fez hats are considered tiki, although they have nothing to do with Polynesian culture. They're Middle yeah, Eastern, different. but it, it comes yeah. from the fifties when the Shriners and uh, like Elks Lodge, those people would wear Fez because that was part of like the, the Elks Lodge aesthetic. They would go to tiki bars because tiki bars were, were everywhere in the fifties and sixties in America. They're just a part of, of just nightlife. Um, so they became tiki adjacent, but it's from the period that people saw as the high point. So therefore it's accepted. And tiki essentially became kind of passe and not cool by the seventies. So a lot of tiki bars like went out of business or closed or like changed their aesthetics. So very few of the original tiki bars exist today. And very interestingly in the eighties, they started to come back as punk hangouts because they were essentially all became dive bars. Right. So 80s punks like would would be hanging out in tiki bars and that evolved into like punks kind of evolving into uh like <laughs> different like ska and other music like kind of more upbeat stuff started to become more kind of tiki infused and there was a whole tiki revival in the late 90s. So you saw a lot of like new bars opening up. You saw a lot of cocktail culture start to embrace like the bizarre fruity tiki drinks, which have like 10 ingredients and like syrups and like, like ingredients you have to make yourself because no stores sell them. I love tiki drinks, but they're ridiculous. I try to make them at home sometimes and I get bored. Uh, <laughs> so like, oh, like, oh, I don't have falernum. And then I always have to Google what falernum is because I forget because it's not a thing that ever enters my life, except when I think about wanting to make a tiki drink. Right. Um, so it's, it's, I, it, it's very, the gatekeepers are very protective because they either can't, they're either old enough that they were in the first wave kind of growing up with tiki or they're the second wave folks like win tiki revival. So they saw it at its lowest point and then they helped bring it back. And now they're upset at all the Johnny come lately's coming in, wanting to just enjoy it where, where, you know, they like, we put in the work. It's, it's any kind of, any kind of group that was like, I I've read comics my entire life. How dare you? Like I, I even bought comics during the downtimes in the nineties. Mm. How dare all these people come in and get into comic books now? Um, it's yeah, so it's just this weird kind of protective, like this is mine. Don't touch what's mine, because you might ruin it. Right. And it, and if like, and, and when I die, if it dies out too, good, because then no one else can ever touch it or ruin it. It's it's bizarre behavior. That is such a bizarre. That is so bizarre because it's like, if if you if you helped save something, shouldn't you be happy that other people get to enjoy it? Yeah, you want it to thrive. You're like, check out this cool thing. Oh, you're doing this cool thing with this other cool thing, and this cool thing is now related, and more people are checking out your cool thing, which brings them to my cool thing, and that's great. Like you, yeah. you would think people would want to expand it, but they also see it as diluting it to where like, what is like, 
like is any is any mug with a character on it a tiki mug and you're like no like there's certain aesthetics that go along with it to, to make it you know quote unquote tiki um that doesn't mean any any mug ceramic mug is a tiki mug um yeah i, I just kind of look at it, like you, you said something really interesting where it's like um you know because i've always wondered why mondo makes tiki mugs i was like what is there a big market for this and i guess you were telling me there is there's an insane market and the amount of money people pay the amount of money i've paid for tiki (laughs) mugs when i think about it intellectually i'm just like i'm never i'm never gonna why why am like it's a it's a but also it's art like i have my shelf of tiki mugs and like okay i spent two hundred dollars on a like set of a limited edition set of of mugs they're like i'm like well i have the money Um, but they look really great on my shelf so it is like it's art it feels weird to say like i i I spent two hundred dollars on a mug that i'm going to drink you know coffee out of never do that that's ridiculous why would i do that but these are these are art a lot of the and they range in price like geeky tq mugs are like 20 bucks mondos i think are like 40 or 40 to 50 i've got the mondo creature from the black lagoon mug they make great stuff um and then there's like artists who like that's what they do they like sculpt a mug a year and they do a limited run of 300 and they sell out and they make several thousand dollars on it and that's that's what they do they're they design tiki mugs it's pop figures yeah 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 essentially like i'm really waiting for funko to get in on it and just use the pop molds and just cast them in ceramic right like and just and just sell them with with a drink hole at at the top they they would honestly make gangbusters if they just did that well they yeah they used to i don't they don't do this anymore because they didn't sell very well but they used to make mugs where it was just the pop faces as a mug oh okay Um, do you remember mixo was one mixo mixo no okay so it was very short-lived it was started i think by the guy who started one of the guys who started funko and then left to start his own business but there are these metal canisters that kind of look like like um uh thermoses but they weren't food safe which was their downfall i think but there was such a like like these cylinders that had the characters on it and the heads came off and they were you know you could put stuff in them but they weren't food safe so you couldn't use them for for drinks so you could use them to i don't know hide candy in or whatever i only saw them at san diego like two years in a row and then they were gone so i assume um, i got a frankenstein one um but no they did not clearly take off no i don't remember those at all anyway yeah um yeah it's so interesting like because like i was saying mondo makes these tiki mugs like you know uh gatekeepers are really uh, afraid that people from a different fandom will invade their fandom for example when the mcu became so popular um they were afraid like oh well you can have the movies but you're not a true fan unless you read the comics and then we we're like well i'll read some comics like no you can't read my comics so it's kind of like you see like i mean to go to go back to tiki because it's fascinating as hell mm-hmm. the, you know if you make geek tiki mugs you know if i'm a comic book fan who loves venom who loves iron man who whatever here i am watching these movies well now i have this other merch and that that uh takes me to a whole new fandom to explore yeah and and, and it's a good gateway of someone like they might have no idea anything about tiki but they like 
Star Lord, and they see they're they're walking by a store, and there's a Star Lord mug in the window. Like, oh, I'll buy that. So like well, a tiki mug, and then you know they they're at a convention, and there's a mention of tiki, or they like happen to walk by a tiki bar. It just makes them curious, and they go in, yeah. and then they're like, oh, these this is you know. This is, there's a $10 drink that will get me drunk in uh, half the time as a normal drink. I, I like it here. Um, it's yeah. So it's these, these ways bring people in, um, in ways that are largely only beneficial. Like I it's, it's largely, and you see this like across the board in, in other things, like in, in our world where there's this fear of something happening that is so unlikely to happen, which is a new person coming in and, and ruining your fandom, right. that you would rather have no one, you would rather make things worse for everybody than to risk the possibility as small as it is to, to, to ruin or negatively affect how you experience a thing. Yeah. It's the fear of the other, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it, you, you, you vilify and, um, a pretty good example would kind of be like what's going on with the Snyder cut where you have these, you have these people cast as these villains and these people cast as these heroes that want to save the thing that you, that you love. This person is going to save it. These persons, these people ruin the thing that you love. And you, and so this is a weird dichotomy of like, nothing is ever that black and white, but that's how these people yeah. see it. Yeah. The Snyder cut is crazy to me because those people literally willed it into existence yeah it did not exist there was nothing warner brothers like what are these people talking about they're like well they're, they're loud enough let's throw money at it because it was like there was there was no snyder cut they're like he they gave him money to go like to make a snyder cut but in, and it's the thing like at this point they've made so much of their identity yeah. about the snyder cut when it comes out and it won't be good it just won't like they won't admit it. They will again talk about how like it's a masterpiece and you didn't understand it. Yeah. Like it's just like they've doubled down so much on it that there's like there's no one's going to be objective about it. And I and I think also people who like have no interest in the Snyder Cut. Well, like if you have no interest, like maybe you'll be objective about it. But if you're like if you hate Zack Snyder, even if by some miracle, <laughs> even some miracle, it comes out. And it's decent. If you hate Zack Snyder, you're probably not going to be like, "Yeah, I was okay." You're just be like, "Zack Snyder sucks," and yeah. I and I get that. Like, you know, in, in some ways, he really does. Although I love Dawn of the Dead, I still think his Dawn of the Dead is great. Um, but that's uh, that's end of list of Zack Snyder movies I enjoy. I like too. I like Dawn of the Dead. It's written by James Gunn, so I give that mm -hmm. one. Um, and then Legend of the Guardians: Owls of Kahul, I think is a good movie. I have not seen that one. I only know it from the joke. Uh, from the 30 Rock episode. Yeah, it's a decent. Uh, it's yeah. kind of a fun little animated film. And he directed that? Mm -hmm. Wow, all right. Well, he, he would, would do well in animation. He's good with visuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, Sucker Punch should have just been animated. Like, oh, yeah. that should have just been an animated movie. Sucker Punch was a mistake. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to rag on Zack Snyder. He's had <laughs> a rough life. Um, yeah. Um, right, so... I always find it so interesting thinking about how um, how gatekeeping kind of uh, influences how uh, non-gatekeepers, for example, you and I seem to be on the same page where it's like we just want people to celebrate what they love mm -hmm. and, 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 and enjoy things. And the more people who get to enjoy the things that we love, the better. But it's so interesting being like, 
not necessarily attacked, but constantly being like um, harassed by gatekeepers, being like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Do you, have you ever experienced like any significant harassment from gatekeepers? I'd say not harassment, but I have gotten into many, many a Facebook and Twitter fight with, um, with gatekeeping fandoms. Because yeah. um, it's just, I, I subscribe to the theory that when you argue with someone online, you're not going to change their mind, but you're not trying to change their mind. You're trying to influence someone who is looking at that argument. Sure. You're trying to influence the person who doesn't have a stance or doesn't feel strongly either way. So I'm not like, when I argue with someone online, I don't care about them. I care about the person who's reading that thread, mm-hmm. the observer, um, because that's who you're, you're more likely to be able to influence. Um, so I don't tend to, to back away or disengage. Um, I will, um, I will disengage if other people pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, it's funny, on a Transformers fan group yesterday, I got into it, a guy about um, the, there's a, I don't know if you know of this Transformers band called Cybertronic Spree. Mm-mm. Okay. So they are Transformers fans who wear homemade Transformers costumes and they're a band. Like they play like rock songs. They're like a rock band. Um and they like perform at conventions and whatnot. And they are fine. Like, I don't think they're like, oh, they're amazing, but they're they're a rock band. And it's fun that they wear like Transformers costumes when they perform. Yeah. Um, and someone posted one of their videos on a Transformers fan page and everyone's like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and this one guy was just like, they suck. It's pitchy and it's awful. This is terrible. I can't believe I wasted my time. And I was like, uh, you wasted your time by feeling like you needed to post about that. You could have just kept scrolling. Like you could have turned the video on. And after like five seconds, you're like, this isn't for me. Just kept scrolling Mm -hmm. and then went on with your day. But you chose to like, make sure we all knew how much you hated it. And that's fine. You're wanting to engage. But if someone then calls you out on like, Hey, like, why are you crapping on this thing that everyone else in this thread is enjoying? And you just have to like kick rocks and be like, no, I don't like it. Um, and then he just like kept coming back um, in the, in this way where he's just talking about how, how much he was, it was a waste of time and how he wanted to save people from wasting their time by watching him. Like everyone else is like this man. And I walked away after like, I was like 14 replies. And then I like walked away to like actually do my job or whatever. And then I came back. It was like 27 replies. It's like, Oh, everyone else has got this. I'm good. I don't need to continue and continue yeah. to engage with this guy. Everyone else has picked up the slack. I can move on. I don't understand that. Like, I we we are part of the same Facebook group, uh, which is how we've connected. And um, there's been a few recently about the Snyder Cut. Now, I'm on record. My people who listen to this, if you're new to this and have not listened to the Fickner podcast, then my stance is I'm firmly against Zack Snyder as a director. Um, and not as a person. He's a fine person. I'm not attacking him as a person. Um. So there's tons of people posting about how, like, oh, I think we've been too harsh on the Snyder Cut, and I'm really excited about the Snyder Cut, and like Zack Snyder, okay, whatever. I don't feel the need to just go on there and be like, Herbert, you're you're the worst for liking the... Like, no, people should enjoy what they like. Yeah, I like, and I I try to to live by that also, but I, I know I screw up, because whenever anyone talks about the movie Logan, 
I have to say that it's the most overrated movie I've ever seen. Really? Like, oh yeah, I, I, oh, I've, I have gone on 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 that Facebook group. I have like gone on rants about that movie. But it's always when when I I look for the 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 op to open the door, mm-hmm. be like, what did you guys think of this movie? That's the open door. If it's right. someone like, I love this movie, it means a lot to me. Then I'm like, all right, I don't need to like go into it then. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Logan, I think is is honestly. I think it it's not it might be the worst Wolverine movie. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Because the thing that everyone loves about Logan is in the first 30 minutes. After that, it's every other Fox X-Men movie. It it doesn't do anything interesting. Like it's it's not good. It's not wow. good. Wow. I like Wolverine Origins more because it knows it's a bad movie. Wow. It 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 doesn't pretend to be like this deep character study, which is what Logan pretends to be for the first half hour. And then it's just like, oh, like Logan ends the way most X-Men movies do. Wolverine running through the woods stabbing guys. Like that what a what an amazing character piece this is. Oh, he's literally fighting himself. Because that's the thing. Like Logan thinks the audience is dumb. They like it's this the the subtext became text in that movie, and I like I don't I don't get it. I don't get. It. But that's my that's that's my thing where I'm just like I cannot let it stand. Attention must be paid. Logan is not good. Wow. But yeah, I I I I have consciously tried to like rein that in more. I mean, look, letting we're... someone open the door before I just like barge in and, and be like, this movie's terrible. Right. The thing is, like, we're all fans. Like, we're all fans of a thing. We're all comic book fans. And look, if we are just as passionate about the things that we don't like as we the, as the things that we do like. But it's so it's got to be a conscious effort just not to like shit on anybody's fun. Yeah. And I don't think when you're, like you just said, like I'm looking for the what did you think of this? Not the mm-hmm. I just want to celebrate this thing. You know, I think that's a different conversation altogether. Now, just for point of record, I love Logan. I think the Wolverine's better. I oh oh yeah, I think the Wolverine is is hands down a good X Men movie. Like a good, it's a good action movie. I really I, like Wolverine. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that movie rules. Anyway, don't need to talk about that for an hour. Yeah. No, uh, and and it is what it's like. But I'm also one of those people that feels like how we talk about things really does matter. Yeah. So like, and, and like the. The, the the show we're both fans of like we're like best movie ever worst movie ever yeah. like they're that's their joking rating system because that's how disc that's how film discourse goes because mm-hmm. only extreme opinions are listened to so it's it's either the best movie ever or it's the worst movie ever um where some of them, some movies are just like yeah they're okay or they're fine but i think it also extends to how we talk about just about anything where like like there's in a extreme opinions get noticed so and i I don't know if you saw the thread about like um uh oh god um oh pineapple on pizza like that is that topic is is very triggering for me because i feel like it is endemic of how people relate to just about any topic nowadays is Pineapple has belonged on pizza for 50 years now. It's not a debatable thing. It's just a thing that exists, but people feel like it can be debated now. And I think that's systemic. That's endemic of like people feeling like, by the way, this thing that we've all come to accept, I don't like it. Um, And 
it's and trying to kind of push that even further um oh wait did you freeze did i freeze okay uh wait i'm back oh okay great um so it's just like the way we talk about things just i think matter so trying to be more positive and less like trying to be extreme about it is how i'm trying to that is my dog hello tugboat how are you doing i don't have any more treats for you buddy he's 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 popped up on like every one of my meetings today i was hoping he would just like go to sleep but uh okay sorry i I started glitching out there i think i'm back now though yeah um you said something earlier that i wanted to highlight you said um it's easier to say shut up than to think yeah uh i think that's a great way to look at um people who Look, you know, I don't want to say misinterpret the things that they like because everybody interprets things in their own way. Um, but I think it, it's it's a good way to think about like, well, if this thing's about this and it's against your ideals, but you still like it, you kind of miss the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's a that's a really cool, just really really nice way to boil that all down. Yeah, yeah. Um. The last question I always ask everyone is kind of about burnout, because I think um, I think burnout is a very real uh, thing in the post- in the podcasting and the geek spheres that you just get burnt out of the thing. Look, there is a Marvel thing coming out every week this year for the rest of our lives, and it can it can feel overwhelming, and you can get burnt out. Uh, do you ever feel the need to like take a break, step back, just be like, I need to. I need a breather from particularly the podcast or like the fandoms in general fandoms in general. I would say definitely there's times where like, like it can be as simple as I, I like the thing, but maybe I've had too much of the thing for right now. And I just need to like, Oh yeah. Um, like sometimes comics uh, can be that way where in terms of like uh, reading uh throughout my life like i've loved comics my whole life but there's been periods where i've just like i haven't read anything for like years i just stopped collecting um and then like i'd get back into it and then you know uh get back out of it like even a couple years ago like while i was like working on stuff i just i wasn't reading any books like i wasn't i didn't really have any interest i wasn't kind of following what was going on and that lasted for a few months Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it was a burnout or just like Burnout probably probably is actually the best way to explain it because it it became like like homework and became like oh I got to read this got to know this thing um, just sometimes I need a break uh, I think toy collecting can also be that way is just like I've got too much stuff um, so a lot of like I know I've kind of purged my collection of stuff uh, of different things different times just depending on really I think it's mental. Um, they're just like, I've got too much stuff. I got to get rid of two boxes worth at least. Yeah. Um, so, and then in podcasting, I that's definitely part of why Burn After Pitching is only a monthly show. Is because like I was saying, it w- I would absolutely be burnt out because I co-host and I edit the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know just about enough audio editing to to like be dangerous. I'm, I, I don't pretend I'm good. I don't pretend like I really know what I'm doing. I can uh, I can fudge my way through audacity enough to edit an hour long podcast. Um, I feel but bad. if I 
yeah, if I had to do that more than once a month, I could, I couldn't, I, we thought at the start of pan, the pandemic, we really thought that we'd be like, oh, you know, we could do like two episodes a month. We could handle that. Um, Cause you know, now we don't have to, because before we recorded in person. So it was like getting people who could come to us and we're like, well, now everyone's remote. We can have anyone anywhere beyond. Um, but then it just never really came together. And I'm, I'm glad. I don't think I could have really, really handled it. Yeah. Um, you talked a bit about earlier, and this is the, this is the last question that I have. Um, you talked a bit about, you talked a bit earlier about your tiki groups, your five mm-hmm. tiki groups on Facebook. Yeah. Um, do you think it's important to find echo chambers? Um, I always talk about the, the, the thing where it's like, I look at my show, the fake nerd podcast as an echo chamber. It's four people that think mostly alike about a thing. Yeah, we rarely disagree. Um, and I, I, do you think that's important to kind of like keep going in fandom spaces to find those echo chambers of people of like-minded people? Yeah, because I think it really helps you stay not necessarily motivated, but stay energized and like engaged. Um, Cause if you're all kind of like on the same page and enjoying the same thing, um, it, it helps keep you like, Oh, excited about a thing like because 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 excitement can be infectious so it might be not something that you're necessarily it's like say you're like a five on a thing and someone you're talking to is like a 10 you might end up at a seven when you're done talking to them because they they've infected you with their their excitement you're like oh yeah so it, it and i think it's it's people t- sometimes talk about echo chambers as being bad and i think they are in terms of like large scale like macro stuff but for like social media like uh, i enjoy my social media being an echo chamber because i know the world isn't Mm -hmm. and if i'm if i'm looking to social media for uh passing my time in a positive or healthy way uh then echo chamber is better than having to deal that's why i prefer facebook to twitter (laughs) like facebook is i is is awful i understand that on an intellectual level like if you look at the numbers and everything it's awful but my experience on facebook is always way more positive than when i go to twitter and you end up doom scrolling because like people you know like retweet things to to stay informed but sometimes it's just like i don't i I don't need all of this negativity like echoing against me right now let me stay positive yeah, I think that's important. I, I I was burnt out of comic books a couple weeks ago, um, and just kind of talking to people that I like talking to, being like, "Oh, you know what? This is, I'm I'm excited to get back into this." Um, all right, that's really everything I got. I got for you, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you great. for having me on. I uh, I like to take the the end of the episode, let you just plug away. All right, I'm gonna plug. Okay, so I've got my podcast burn after pitching google it you know how the internet works um that we're part of the grand geek gathering network where there's a lot of other shows that are really fun you can check those out uh i've got my website by uh where you can read uh blog posts short stories yeah it has a link to my web store uh that's by uh i just it's just been announced so i can finally talk about it i am one of the co-writers on a new series that's launching in july called orcs in space it's uh, myself with um, 
brothers Abed and Rashad Gaith and Justin Roiland, creator of Rick and Morty. Uh, it's a comedy sci-fi series about three lovable, dumb, you know, D&D style orcs who end up going on adventures in space. Is this a uh, show or a comic? Comic. Uh, oh. It's Right now it's a 12 issue series. Um, it was supposed to come out last year. Thanks, COVID. Uh, but it's now set to come out this July. Um, and so it'll be up for i think pre-orders in april or may so if it sounds interesting like have your shops order it because it is monthly floppies uh and those are um those are a hard sell sometimes but it's a really funny book i don't want to toot my own horn but i just reread the first issue and it is hilarious um I also have my graphic novel series, uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse, that I write with uh, my co-writer, Greg Smith, and the artist, Zach Lanner. Uh, the first two volumes of that are out now. The third volume is being worked on, but probably won't come out for a couple of years. Uh, that's Kids Fighting kids fighting Zombies. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got to plug right now. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. I, I, I love doing this because it becomes very informative. Like I said earlier, Tiki Fandom. That's awesome. Yeah, are you are you're based in Southern California, right? Yeah. We have we've got the best bars down here. Like in LA, the Tiki and uh, some of them are open for patio seating. In a few months, hopefully, the rest will be open when it's safe. But the Tiki Tea, the Tonga Hut, um, gosh, uh, so many great bars um, to to get a drink at. A fun tropical fruity drinky drunk drink. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, again, thank you so much, and uh, uh, I'm gonna let my my future self uh, play us out. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you past me. And thank you to Michael Tanner for coming on the show. Had a great time. I hope you did too. Um, I hope you liked the finished product. I didn't really change too much. And that's another episode down the drain. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Thank you to everyone who bounces in depending on who I'm talking to. Um, the reception of the show has been really great. I'm really happy with how the show is turning out, how the show is coming together, who I'm getting on. Um, we, I just got an email that I am... This is the 22nd show in the TV and film category in Slovenia, guys. So thank you, people of Slovenia. Genuinely. I, just, I think that's cool. If you'd like to find Michael Tanner and the Burn After Pitching podcast, you can definitely check out all the links down below. Um, I've made sure to, to link everything I can find, um, everything he gave me. That's all down below in the description, as always. Um, click around, see what you want to see what you want to follow. Maybe you found a new podcast you want to listen to. And you can find all of my stuff, the Fake Nerd Podcast, uh, Basement Arcade, Fake Nerd Book Club, Fake Nerd's Watch, which just finished Wand uh, talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not WandaVision. All of that is linked below um, through our social medias and through our website at www.fakenerdpodcast.com, which I actually just put up a new, uh, a new uh, blog, po a new blog post on the Fakener Podcast. We just talked about Mortal Kombat, the newest Mortal Kombat, 2021's Mortal Kombat. That's up now. That's up on audio and visual. And visual. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking about the Mitchells versus the Machines. So very exciting stuff all over there. If you guys want to be part of the show, if you've got a podcast, if you got a geek podcast and you want to talk about fandom or your podcast or whatever, hey, email me, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. That's also linked below. I'd love to get you guys on here. Anybody who's listening, uh, if you've got a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Next week, I am talking to Derek McDuff of the Underrated Podcast, so stay tuned for that. And until next Thursday, guys, guys, Conversation Thursdays, every Thursday, I coined that. Uh, stay true to the fan in you. 